I am Let's... I'm ready to go when you are, gentlemen. Um, sounds good. Do you want me to check what time it is? I got it. I'm I'm just gonna look at the clock on my computer. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 17 of Half Court and Midrange. We're super excited because we have a lot of guests on for this podcast because the NBA All-Star Weekend in New Orleans. We got Donald Sterling, Donald Trump, Baron Trump, Baron Davis, Anthony Davis, Carmelo Anthony, Joel Anthony, Joel Embiid, Joel Sherman, Sherman Alexi, Alexi Agensa, Alanis Morissette, Andrew Morissette uh, are joining us today. Andrew, how's it going? It's going pretty good, gentlemen. How are you? Good. We also have Ray, as usual. What's up, y'all? Um, Ray is going to take it from here. Yeah, we've got so we've got Andrew. Um, Andrew is a big fan of Wizards, um, and he has been he's been really pressing us to uh, to talk about them uh, recently. So we want to, with him on the podcast, we want to go ahead and give an opportunity to do that. So, so Andrew, I have a question for you. Hit um, me. A wizard-related question, Ray? Yes. Cool. Go for um, it. If Voldemort no, needed... Wizards generally, or is it yeah. particular to the basketball team in, if, in uh, if Voldemort, the nation's capital? Andrew, if Voldemort <laughs> needed to hide Rowena Ravenclaw's diadem where no one could reach it, how come later Harry could use the room of requirement to find that Horcrux? How does that room deal with the paradox? So I'm not sure I follow the paradox. The, it was placed in the room... And Harry required the room. What's the problem? I think the problem the problem is uh, so if uh, when Voldemort put it in, his requirement was that he needed a room where nobody could ever reach the Horcrux, and then he put it in there. And then so how come was the that room... his particular need, or was his requirement to put it in a, a safe hiding place? Like was it specifically so that no one else could find it? I believe it was a unfindable hiding place was the, uh, ah. the where no one could reach well, it. Where no one could reach well, it was let, the, let the me... phrase. So no one can reach it but him. And Harry shared a little bit of him, got himself in. Boom. Because, you know, they had, like, bonded or whatever. Right. He Well, spoiler alert for Harry Potter, I guess. Come on. Um. What's the uh, what's the atmosphere like down there, gentlemen? Sorry, we'll get back to the wizard in a second. But it is All Star Weekend. Um, Are you seeing all the buzz? Are you downtown hanging out at the arena? Um, uh, well, b- both Court and I work by the arena, uh, and actually, it's mainly about avoiding it. I'd say because it's hard to drive around there with the activities. Um, but it's a beautiful weekend for the All Star Game, so I think. New Orleans, yeah, it's a kind of perfect weekend to have folks in town. Um, it might even be in the like ninety degrees today. It was pretty hot. Um, you thought it was ninety today? I think it might have been. What? I thought it was like seventy-eight, and everybody. I think it just... was at least eighty. Wow. Um, Ray like, and I have some like serious 70, weather disagreements. It's hot out. Oh wow! So yeah, so it's it's I guess it's hot everywhere now. Yeah, um, I guess it. All right, I stand corrected on the weather. Um, but yeah, it seems uh, you know. We, uh, uh, there's, uh, <laughs> sorry. Um, yeah, no, there's, there's lots of good stuff going on. I was at one of the hotels downtown and I was looking for basketball players and writers. I did not see them. Um, Michael Jordan had a birthday party here. Uh, that <laughs> looked really fun. Um, Joel Embiid was there. Nice. 
Um, Allen Iverson has a concert tonight, I think. Yeah. With two chains uh, and some other artists. Um, we so were, yeah, there's a lot happening. We were thinking about going in for the VIP package. We, you get a table and bottle service for 2,500 bucks. Uh, That's nothing. Yeah, exactly. If you split that up eight ways, you're only really paying like 200 some dollars per person. Yeah. I don't know. It seems like a deal. Yeah. With all the cash that this podcast is bringing in, you know, we could just expense it. Yeah. yeah well, we can expense it first and then figure out cash flow later. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's disrupt some things, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> the... um, all right. Well, yeah. Go, go ahead. Sorry to disrupt you, you, Ray, if you had other wizard-related questions. <laughs> Well, I'll I'll talk a little bit about about the atmosphere here myself. Uh, the building that I work in, the Benson Tower, they put up this giant graphic of mm. Anthony Davis's face, uh, and then underneath it was sponsored by Nike because there's a little Nike swoosh, and then it says equality underneath, um, which I believe is like a reference to like the whole reason why they moved it from North Carolina down here with like the bathroom right. bill and whatnot. But it also just oh. kind of like here's my issue with it uh, is like, and it was also like playing on that commercial that ran during the Super Bowl. Right? Oh yeah, I'm there gonna was, pretend like I saw that commercial. Yeah, right yeah now. There, it was like a lo- <laughs> it was a long commercial, and a lot all the big athletes were in it, and you know folks of various like creeds and cultures were in it. Anyhow, I think it's off that same. It's ex- extension of that. Gotcha. Which is yeah, which is cool. Obviously, yeah. My, I, I just think like the corporate tie-in with Nike, like, you know, they have some dubiously ethical like manufacturing processes, and it's like, well, you know, anytime somebody co-opts like a real, a real movement for making selling basketball a shoes, company employing all sorts of people, yeah, at all ranges of uh, wages. In all ages, is that that's what equality is really about, though, Court. You know, if you think about it. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. And <laughs> and I will I will say caveat here: we are on a, a podcast where we talk about the NBA, which is like an excellent shoe selling uh, <laughs> venture as far as advertising for sneakers and whatnot. So yeah, you know, yeah, you got to eat, right? <laughs> I guess that was I guess that was sort of the thing with all of there was a lot of politically themed Super Bowl commercials. I think particularly with ideas of equality in mind. Um, and it, and it's, it is, I guess it's just interesting to think about that these companies, maybe they want it to make a political statement or endorse some value, but it's likely that they just believe that they can sell products by having advertisements that celebrate those values, which I think. Well, not, just... not, not to be over, uh, <clears throat> to be too generous to, to the corporate world, but you know, is there a problem if they do both? Like that they support those ideas and it helps them sell things? Does that undermine any point? I guess this goes to the conversation about selling out generally, but like, is there an inherent wrong for a company to uh, like an idea and want to sell things? Not at all. No, I don't think so at all. I, I guess it just, I think it... Um, um, Counterpoint: Selling out is always bad. Never sell out. Half court and mid range never sold out. Pachamama. Or sold. Yeah, the opportunity to. <laughs> hey, easy. Can hang up uh, on you right I, now. I mean, the implication is yet. I, I see. I see big things. Yeah, I don't. I definitely don't think there's anything wrong with it, Andrew. I think. I think it just. Ra- I think it just raises questions. And uh, I mean, I think like Court was raising a specific question: What does it mean if? Nike sponsors yeah. this thing about equality, but maybe they're 
labor practices, according to some folks, don't represent that they value equality or dignity of certain human life or what have you. So I think, right. yeah. It just... Which I will say, having having put a little time into Nike, it's actually much, much improved and, and far less uh, dubious than than in the past. So yeah, I, I would believe that considering that there was that negative attention on them that uh, like it seems like that would force them to clean up their game or whatever. Yeah, for sure. All right. Anyway, uh, well, this, that was I that. saw your Instagrams of that big poster. That was a cool, it's cool to see the process from uh, the start to finish over what, probably a week or something. Yeah, it was, it actually went, they started with like this little side banner and um they had that up for like a week. I guess they were just like testing whether they could like glue it on or what. And that took a while, but then it actually took about three days to put it up. And my idea was to like do it in progress. And then I was also going to just like keep taking a picture every day of the same thing. And then maybe even after it ended, like keep taking that picture. But, uh, halfway through my experiment, I was kind of like beset by food poisoning. And now I kind of like put the two together in my mind, like, <laughs> taking the pictures and keeping on posting them <laughs> as an idea you know, it just made, makes me feel ill again uh, i'd like to do a small digression from this larger digression from the actual thing we're doing but uh do you have any other non-food related sort of you know that take you back to feeling sick and they make you want to throw up because i definitely my favorite one uh is i got sick in high school and I was driving home and like had to throw up while I was driving, was listening to uh shit, what's that band? Oh no, I was listening to Audio Slave. Don't ever hear Chris Cornell or Audio Slave, it makes me feel ill, which is a very funny uh, uh piece I just of energy got, as well, because the band also sucks. <laughs> yeah, I just get that naturally from listening to Audio Slave. <laughs> well, I, I mean this you you're smarter now than I was when I was sixteen, but you know, what can I say? <laughs> I wouldn't give myself that much credit. Well, <laughs> Maybe I would. <laughs> um, I think you'd be you'd be wise to. But yeah, so I, I whenever I hear audio slave, I start to feel ill. On that note, Andrew, how does John Wall make you feel? Oh, the Wait, best thought... of times and the worst of times. I've never <laughs> had a player. I mean, I guess this is the idea of of true fandom, right? Is it you? <clears throat> I just constantly fear things bad things happening to him because he's so good and so reliable that like. I feel maybe this is just like a Wizards fan thing of like, this can't last. So he has to get hurt soon. And so I basically just watch all these games in pure terror. Um, and especially he's playing so many minutes. I, I mean, the starting five of the Wizards will play the most minutes of all starting fives combined. I think I heard someone say, and uh, you know, the, the minute stuff makes me nervous a little bit, but he's been incredible this year, man. Um, scoring more than he has in the last few years, still over like one of the only players over 10 assists a game, if not the only, um, it's how's, been a good, how's his defense been, been this year? Say that again. How's his defense been this year? Um, I've always been on the, the train of that. He's not as actually good as defense as people say. I think he has a reputation of being really good. Mm -hmm. Um, but as a long, I mean, this is again a fan bias, but I feel like every time we play any team, the opposing point guard has his best game of the year. Uh, so I, I have a hard time. I haven't really looked at the metrics. I'm sure they're, I'm sure they're fine. But yeah, yeah, I feel like going matter. into the playoffs, that's gonna be like if they if they want to make some noise, he he definitely seems capable. Or in the past, that he's like ramped it up on defense uh, and become really a, a force. Like if he if he, he has that if he, he has that to. gear, sorry. Yeah, 
he can do it if he wants to, but it it doesn't appear to always be um, on his on his you know expending a lot of energy at other places on the floor. It's not always probably at top of his mind to like be a dog dog on defense. But he does a lot of chase down blocks, which are my favorite things in the world. Um, oh yeah, and I appreciate that he prioritizes those. I know they're flashy, but like they're great. So go for it. Yes. Joel Embiid has also has those in his uh, wheelhouse as well. Um, I, yeah. So I, I like John. I feel good about what – I mean, the team has been great and consistently great. So it's not – I'm not that worried overall. But I do – I mean, the, the concern is, is energy going into the playoffs if these starting five continue to play so many minutes together because the bench is that bad. Um, yeah. But Brad Beal's on a healthy level. That's been exciting to watch and to take some of the pressure off John scoring-wise. That's yeah. John's probably only offensive weaknesses is shooting, but he's been going to the hole and doing a lot of just getting a lot of a lot of drawing a lot of fouls, getting a lot of layups. Been great. Yeah, is Brad Beal down here in New Orleans? No, yes, no. I mean, you know that, and you're just trying to stoke my fire. <laughs> total, total bullshit uh, politics, Ray. That's what I'd call it. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, that's probably a corporate thing too, right? Like Melo's going to bring more dollars than Brad Beal. So I get it. Um, um, yeah, I don't know if I would yeah, get no, all that. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, the, I actually was surprised. I think Brad Beal's. I, I don't think Melo's that good anymore. But I was actually surprised somebody rattled off his stats in the last month or so. They've actually been pretty good. Melo's that is. Um, but yeah, no, he's has, been on a run too. It's not. It's not insane. It's just. I think it's a. I think Melo's a bummer. So I don't like to watch him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he just represents a lot of like sad outcomes, possible outcomes in the NBA, which are you know notably not that sad overall, right? He's doing very well for himself and lives in New York City and probably has a good life. But yeah, the, yeah. Um, maybe or maybe he has all this stuff and he's just thinking about how great it is, but he's terrified to lose it. You know, <laughs> deep. Yeah, interesting. Maybe that's all. That of like... Every player, huh? I think that affects all players in the league. Yeah, probably. If they're like me, then. <laughs> Except for TJ McConnell. He just probably doesn't have um, a lot of stuff yet. Yeah, Beals, Beals per game is like 22, four assists, uh, three rebounds. You know, what's what's his steals? Um, and he's healthy. That's it. For him, that's the... And he's been healthy know, the whole the year. That's the first time in a long time. He hasn't really missed any games. He so missed games whenever I had him in fantasy. 40 from three. Um, I picked him up for the second half of the league. Uh, he's been good for me thus far. I'm excited about him. He's yeah, like three, yeah. three threes a game. Pretty tough to argue with. Yeah. So I have a two-part question. Um, at one, I'm interested to hear your thoughts on their their long-term uh, or their their playoff potential this year. And then I think part and parcel with that, um, what additions can they make to uh, have a more like meaningful playoff run? Yes, I mean, it's just bench scoring is the biggest thing. Um, they get out there, and if, if unless John or Brad's out there, you look around and it's, uh, you know, it's Jason Smith and Trey Burke and Thomas Sadoransky trying to uh, figure out offense with Kelly Oubre, who's been the best of those so far. Um, but it's just really inconsistent. They don't have anyone that can – basically the, the event of watching a Wizards game is – having a blast when the starting five is in and loving how fast they play and all the, the scoring. And then as soon as the bench comes, bench comes in, you just like 
count the plus minus because you're so like used to them giving up like okay we're up seven like oh if we can we can just be up four at the end of this bench run we'll be in business because normally they're, they're way worse than that so uh anything to shore up that sort of bench scoring i mean yan Nahimi's coming back he's he's playing again hopefully he's going to finish the year um on the court instead of hurt and that would be nice but i think playoffs i feel fine i think we match up really well against everybody but cleveland so there's a, you know depending on where you land in the bracket i feel good i think we can beat toronto and the, the celtics um just because neither one of those teams can consistently defend Brad and John at the same time. So not really worried about, I think we have a good chance and all that stuff. Now, even longer term. I should know this. Who starts, who starts at the three for you, Andrew? Otto Otto Porter Porter, Jr. Okay. So they can't hide a revelation. So they can't put um, Avery Bradley and Marcus Smart on John and Brad because Isaiah would have to go on to Otto Porter then. Right. Yeah. And Porter has been good enough to, to make that, to cause pain there. Yeah, you can, basically with Isaiah on the floor, the Celtics can't defend the Wizards. The problem is the Wizards aren't great at defending the Celtics either, but they haven't played against the Celtics with Bradley this year. So mm. I'll be curious because Bradley's been awesome when he's healthy, and I think that's a, that's a real problem for us. Um, that's a good matchup, I think. But Isaiah's been so bad defensively that I'm not that worried about it. Um, yeah, I, I was and thinking also they can't rebound or stop Gortat, which I know sounds ridiculous that Gortat is, would be dominant in that matchup, but um, he can roll really well, and they can't rebound for shit. So yeah, like he could definitely average above fifteen rebounds a game, unless they unless they bring someone in who can actually rebound. But yeah, and that's for stuff like you know sneaky things like suddenly Marquise Morris is a big deal because as they shift around to deal with Brad and John and Otto, you know Amir Johnson can't hang with. Auto or with Marquise Morris, they are probably going to put Jay Crowder on Auto, and so Morris might get the mismatch with Isaiah. And you know, it's not a. I think we're a bigger problem for them than the other way around. Yeah. Um, do you think? Do you think that with their starting lineup being so strong and their bench being weaker, do you think putting Marquise on the bench, um, playing him like the same amount of minutes would be a positive? I don't know if they've tried that already. Um, but it seems yeah, like he can create a lot offense. of Marquise in the yeah they've they've done a lot of Marquise in the bench units which actually works pretty well um, because Burke and Sadoransky are not good at scoring but they're not terrible at getting the ball around um, they're not great but he's he's been one he's been playing really well and is more reliable there but the problem is they they're sort of rotating games of like it'll be Marquise in the bench unit then Brad in the bench unit and I think it's just still adding up to a lot of minutes overall so. There needs to be probably another solution. So, I mean, there's talk about Lou Will, um, who would be great, but it just depends what the cost is, right? I mean, I saw, I heard somebody talking about, like, um, Andrew Nicholson in a first in the, you know, that's probably the 22nd pick next year. Yeah, that's a fine deal. I wouldn't mind that. I saw someone else that was like Sadoransky, Ubre, Nicholson, and that pick, and that's crazy. Like, I wouldn't give up Ubre for that. Yeah, that's that's too um, much. <clears throat> um, but I would think I would think the there. first. I think Nicholson is is dead weight. So yeah, uh, I mean he's played like ten minutes this year. Yeah. Um, but I I I would think their first would get it done. And if not, I don't know exactly who it is, but there's another guy that you could get for a first. I guess I guess with 
with your salary, you need to make sure you're not taking on money for next year. Um, yeah, because they're going to have to pay auto this summer. And I actually don't. And extend, I don't know if the John extension is this summer or next, but they're starting to run out of uh, money because at yeah. some point they're going to be maxing out auto, John, and Brad. And that's. Yeah, that'll, that'll I mean, basically. I love those players. Yeah, that'll almost Yeah, but be I don't know if that's a. I don't know if that's a championship winning top three for, for max out. So especially when you haven't drafted at all in the last couple of years, if they get rid of this draft pick and they got rid of last year's too, like that's, that doesn't really bode well that auto port. I mean, Kelly Oubre is our youngest player, not a great, yeah. not a great contract situation. So I don't really know what the play is long-term. Uh, I guess like, they trade. seems like you might have people, yourself but. a paradox. Maybe you need to put that draft pick in the room of requirement where no one can reach it. Oh, that'd be interesting. Yeah. The great. only person that can reach it is the person who shares, uh, you know, a soul with John, which is DeMarcus Cousins. And then we're really talking. Oh. I thought it was going to be Ted Leonsis, but. No, that guy sucks. <laughs> uh, I'm ready to move on from Ernie Grunfeld, but I don't, I think every Wizards fan is, but there's, it doesn't really look like it's, especially, I, I wonder if other fan bases have this we did the same thing with Randy Whitman like every time we play well it's exciting and every other Wizards fan you talk to is like it's so great it just sucks and it's going to convince uh management that like they're doing a good job and keep everyone because <laughs> like generally they're a bad so, like when we made the playoffs the other year and like lost to the Hawks only because John broke his hand it was such a it was really devastating because he knew it meant Randy Whitman was going to be around at least for another year and then Ernie was going to keep his job for a couple more years, and that's just like a real bummer, you know? But Yeah. yeah. You know, no rest for the weary. Yeah. Um, all right, so now, uh, in big news, uh, Mike Toby, UVA esteemed alumni, uh, played, he signed two 10-day contracts with uh, the Charlotte Hornets. That's 20 total days, folks. 20 days. Um Actually, on that note, ten-day contracts. <clears throat> we have a lot of we have a lot of uh, friends down here in New Orleans. Some of which, who have um, enjoyed like temporary employment situations for a little while, um, kind of intentionally to keep their flexibility and uh, make a couple bucks. So I've, I, every time a ten-day contract is signed, um, which is not like if you're an NBA player, you want to be signing a full-year contract or multiple-year contract. But if you're a fringe NBA player, they can sign you to 10-day contracts. Um, I was I think about how a lot of our friends would really enjoy the opportunity to have a 10-day contract on an NBA team. Um, I'd enjoy the opportunity to yeah. have a 10-day contract on an yeah. NBA team, especially yeah, when you sign. That'd be good for me. Yeah. Um, but uh, so yeah. On that note, Mike Toby signed his second 10-day contract, and he got some run, and he got his first basket. Um, and we thought this was just worth uh, reflecting on. So, Court, can you tell me uh, what you saw on that play? Uh, he sets the pick. <laughs> he, uh, he, he second time. Wait, did we even say that he was on the Hornets? What a uh, what kind of context have we given here? He, we uh, Hornets, he's on the Hornets. Right? Yeah. He's on their D League team before that, so they they brought him up. Yeah, they brought him up. Uh, yeah, he'd been doing all right in the D League, uh, undrafted. Uh, sets sets the uh, screen and then rolls to the basket and and the uh, the ball handler shoots it. I, was it Kimba Walker who was the ball handler on the play? This is, I feel like I've watched yeah, this play a lot him. of times now. I yeah, assume let's just it was say him. it's Kimba. Yeah, let's it was Kimba, Kimba Walker. 
shoots it, misses, but Toby has gotten good position on the uh, Raptors big man there and gets the put back and uh, does the classic Mike Toby, like sort of no smile, like fist pump sort of do like half of a fist pump. Yeah. Yeah. It was nice. I will say I appreciate, I've been, I've been trying to pay more attention to how plays actually break down. And one thing I've noticed this year is that most young big men are really bad at setting picks. Um, They basically will set, they'll stand there like they're going to set a pick. And some of them, like 100% of the time, they slip it before contact even happens. So, which is a good strategy sometimes if you set picks sometimes. So I'm sure like Marcin Gortat probably does this really well. But if the defender is expecting to run into you, sometimes slipping it before they even do that, you you run free and the, the... the ball handler can just pass you the ball and you might have a free lane to the basket. But these young guys, they just seem to not want to make contact. Joel Embiid was in the beginning of the year and they'll slip it every single time. And so it doesn't work because like they know you're going to slip it. Anyhow, I was impressed. Yeah. Like that's Mike- what I do when I play pickup basketball, cause I'm tired and I like want the ball. So I don't want to run into someone. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Um, but I was impressed. He set the screen. He rolled nicely. And even though he didn't get the entry pass on the roll, put him in position to get the offensive rebound. So, and now is that probably the best UVA related basketball news in the last week? Wouldn't you say? Um, as far as uh, the performance of the actual team, yeah, I mean, not a lot. Not Are you guys lot saying to... UVA isn't playing well? Uh, they've been tainted. <laughs> you know, I have some secret insiders. Uh, AKA my man Jeff Skelly. <laughs> yeah, the word is they're not doing well. <laughs> Okay. Wow. Okay. That's that's some pretty pretty juicy insider info there. Andrew. I would have assumed that yeah. you know losing to North Carolina by about twenty points would be sort of a moral victory. Yeah, apparently, you can't in score. It isn't. It doesn't really matter how good your defense is. Uh, it's something we're coming to learn. I, su- I suppose. Yeah. Game is hard, man. <laughs> it's hard. I mean, I couldn't do it. So yeah, I guess far be it from me. Yeah. I don't know. I, yeah, and I, I, as far as uh, other UVA players in in the NBA, that might have been the more exciting one uh, recently. Uh, that Toby play where where he put back because uh, Brog, Brogdon, uh, Chris Middleton is back for the Bucks, uh, if I'm not mistaken, and that's you're, cut. you're correct. In in terms of like rotation, as far as like minutes, it seems Brogdon's minutes are slightly down. I mean, not the exact same position, but. Uh, I think because Jabari Parker's hurt, Brogdon's going to stay relevant. And it seems that it is enjoying giving him run. Um, I mean, he's got to be better than Del- he's got to be better than Delvadova, right? Yeah, there's no question about that. Um, let me look up Brogdon real fast. Sure. And then uh, I'm trying to think if Mike Scott is back, right? Is Mike Scott still? He's he's back on the he's he's back from injury, right? The emoji man. I think so. But yeah, to, not to the tune of any like sort of outbursts or anything like that. <laughs> anything notable enough? Yeah. Um. Yeah, Brogdon's he's still he's still getting some minutes, and he looks like he'll be fine for a while. Um. Are they going to make the playoffs though? No. No, you heard it here first, feel, folks. No. Yeah, I feel pretty confident about. Because I think let's see the standings. Last time I checked, they were like four or five games out. Um, 
Andrew. They are. Yeah, Detroit. Oh, they're only one game out. Uh, maybe, but hard to say. So, what do you guys think? So hard to say, probably no. Okay. Um, yeah, I thought they were further back than that, but Miami's been playing well. Miami's catching up to them. Detroit's turned it around a little bit, although they're trying to trade Reg- Reggie Jackson, so I'm not sure what their plan is. So it could still work out. They've been they've been worse with Reggie Jackson, actually. So if they flip yeah, they him, that might not... don't care for him. Yeah. Yeah. But right. the, the, the trades that I saw them, the magic, the potential magic Detroit trades, Detroit was getting nothing back. It was pretty... Yeah, they were insane. It was pretty sad. Um... Which, um, do you have any? Do you have any good thoughts on the on the uh, trade deadline, Andrew? Anything that you're looking for, or a player that you think might move? Or, uh, I mean, you know, selfishly, I'm I'm pretty oriented around the Toronto, Boston, Washington, Atlanta scene. Like, is mm-hmm. any Indiana? If anyone's going to make any moves there that are threatening, you know, we've already seen Toronto uh, make a move for Serge Ibaka, who I think will help. I'm not super convinced that pushes them into any new territory. Um, they don't strike me as any more existentially threatening as a team with Serge. It'll obviously be a little bit better. I think if he can pick up his run a little bit, he was playing terribly in Orlando. So, and if, I mean, I guess with Boston, I mean, you know, they have all these things, these assets and stuff, but it strikes me that they haven't done anything with them thus far. And it's almost, I wonder, I mean, this is maybe simplifying it to make it, sound like i'm in charge but like i guess it's hard when you have endless amount of choices and everyone knows that you have that you're waiting to make a move so like you always maybe think that you can get a better one and people are always trying to get as many things out of you as possible because they know you're rich with assets yeah so every every deal you make has a has an inflated price probably to it as yeah. far as the rest of the league is concerned and yeah you know they I have think- enough to really get any player they want so how do you choose what's best? Yeah. And they, they word on the street. And I think the results bear out that like, I mean, Danny Ainge, the Celtics GM keeps talking about, Oh, we almost made a deal. Oh, we're talking to all these guys. And they yeah. talk about all that. And it never happens. Um, Dubious on that. So it's fair to say they might be overvaluing their assets. Um, and yeah, I think it's probably right. If there's a, I don't know, if there's a big time, like if they could really get Butler for something reasonable, it seems like now is the time to do that. Um, and I think on the on the small, like the lower end of things, they they should get someone who can defensive rebound. Like they don't have to give up that much to get a Taj Gibson or even someone worse than that. And I think with the Kevin Love injury, the the Cavs are vulnerable enough especially if another one of their guys went down that like you wouldn't want to go into the playoffs with a glaring flaw that could be addressed without giving away too much. I think they would just be, you know, they would be over, you know, just get a defensive rebounder, make some noise in the playoffs. And if you get lucky yeah, or, you know, something like Taj Gibson makes sense. I think there's, there's, that's probably the move. I guess the Celtics have built up that they're like one, they're a phone call away from, Carmelo or Kevin Love or Blake Griffin or whoever, but probably something smaller like Todd Gibson actually makes a lot of sense because it won't overturn their whole core and it addresses a need and like it, sometimes it can be as simple as that, right? That, that that's what actually really helps. Yeah. 
Yeah, for sure. But uh, yeah, I don't know. The Western Conference, I'm not really as up on, um, which I know makes me a a stupid NBA fan. But Rude. you know, like okay, they're all really good. Fine, boring. Um, and I I think in terms of trade, New Orleans is doing anything. In terms of trades, no, at least among, I mean, they're really. I don't think anybody thinks anybody besides the Warriors and the Spurs are going to come out. Um, I mean, maybe some people think the Rockets or maybe the Jazz, but the Warriors and the Spurs are pretty... The Spurs never make trade deadline deals, and the Warriors don't have that much flexibility to do much. I mean, they might be able to bring in a backup center or something, but I think the trade fund in the West is is not... At least not going to have an impact on the playoffs. Um Right, so people where, are just not stressing about it. Yeah, where the Cavs seem more beatable than the Warriors, and so well, the trades matter a little bit more. Not that they seem trades, beatable. I saw, I saw that, uh, I think you're right on that stuff. Uh, speaking of trades that didn't happen with the West Coast, I saw that there was a there was a move to get Jaleel Okafor over to the, the Blazers, but... The Nuggets Nurkic deal intervened and stopped it. So, because that's why I guess that explains why Okafor was taken out of a bunch of games last week. But, uh, Ray, give me a little Sixers talk. What's going on in that inside that madhouse? Uh, it's that's was kind of embarrassing. So, yeah. So Andrew referenced it. We, uh, Jaleel Okafor, a uh, second year center, uh, high draft pick on our team, who has not been playing particularly well. Um, We've been trying to trade him for a while, and the team has been pretty public about that. They pulled him from a game, and normally when that happens, um, and they said they pulled him from a, a game because of potential trade, like almost always the trade happens or a trade happens. Um, you don't kind of publicly make a move like that and then not trade the player. Um, turns out that we did not trade. So he, he did not play that game. He did not play the following game also under the idea that he was imminently going to be traded and that he didn't want to get injured. And then the last game before the All-Star break, he flew to Boston to play with the Sixers. And I think what just makes our general manager, Brian Colangelo, look pretty foolish. Um, so, yeah, I think he was trying to drum up that there was more interest than there was, that you know someone did report that they were very close to a deal with Portland. Um and then they've also been talking with New Orleans. Andrew, you got the five zero there. I hear uh, all those. Yeah, what? There's some serious noise happening out here. Yeah, there's all sorts of sirens, man. What's going on? I don't know. Um, I guess I could call my local dispatcher and see what the word is. Ah, I don't think that's how that works. <laughs> Should we have is the dispatcher not? on the podcast? Excuse me, are you the one who dispatches the sirens? <laughs> I'm Andrew Morissette. To whom does belong these sirens? <laughs> yeah, can we get the dispatcher in on the call too? Like, just make it. <laughs> well, I want to see what they think about the surging wizards and capitals. Is it fun? Is it not fun? 
Sir, sir, this is nine one one. I don't care about the Julie Locafor trade. Uh, <laughs> uh, are you a person? I mean, you, you do, definitely do other stuff than take nine one one calls. Just like be nice to me and talk. I'm bored. You can't call nine one one just every time that a Colangelo screws up a trade well, of Julie Locafor. It's well, just... <laughs> clearly I can. You answered, so I don't get it. You're giving me mixed signals. <laughs> Well, I you... don't care if you're listening to Audio Slave again. Leave me alone. <laughs> I feel so sick. <laughs> Ray, I got dropped off. You were mid. You were mid Okafor talk. Um, yeah, I'll just jump back. Yeah, just go where from where you were at. I think okay. maybe, and Andrew yeah. can. Maybe I mean, I know the background, so I don't know when it drops, but continue on as you were. Yeah. yeah so the Sixers just have not been looking too good. Um, they. Yeah, there's conflicting information about Ben Simmons, and obviously a lot of people are really concerned about him. Uh, he's one of the most important players we have. Um, they said he was fine, and then information came out, suggested that he was uh, actually not where he needed to be, and maybe it's his agents kind of that have some agenda. Maybe it's a team that has some agenda, um, but it just kind of seems fishy and not, not well-managed. And then there was this whole... Joel, Joel Embiid has not been playing with what they've reported as a bone bruise, and I think that's accurate. Um, but he also had an MRI where they revealed it, he had a slight tear in his meniscus, uh, which actually isn't that big of a deal. Lots of players have it, and they can play on it. Um, but nonetheless, the Sixers didn't share it, and a reporter scooped it, and then they kind of then they were forced to have a press conference and talk about it and say, no, you know, it actually doesn't really matter. And, but anyhow, they just, it just looks like a mess. Um, and now is actually an important time to like, it probably, we probably do need to trade Jaleel Okafor or another center since we have too many of them. Um, and just all of this dysfunction is not inspiring confidence in the front office. I guess for a lot of people like myself who really liked Sam Hinkie, our former GM, um, it's particularly frustrating because this Brian Colangelo was brought in with this idea that he was good with the media where Sam Hinkie wasn't and that they were going to be transparent. Um, and now we just have this mess. And uh, a lot of people were like, well, we don't really care that the old GM basically just didn't talk to the media a lot. And I was like, well, we don't really care if he doesn't talk to him because when the the GMs talk to the media, they lie and they just they give you all this bogus or like non information, um, and now we have this guy who gives this bogus non information and sometimes lies, and you know it's just I don't know it's just silly. There's just a lot of hip- hypocrisy in it, and uh, it 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 bothers me. So wait, the media is lying. Who so- says the media is lying? um right so let me ask you this who is the starting five um in late october next year when the season starts Ooh, that's a good question okay it's gonna be the easiest one is probably well i'm I'm gonna go ahead and say joel and beats healthy so joel and beats the center robert covington's playing the three i am gonna optimistically say that Dario, no, I'm sorry. Um, ben Simmons playing the four on defense and point guard on offense. Um, <laughs> okay. 
Yeah. His optimism levels are increasing. <laughs> um, they've been very clear that he is going to play point guard on offense. Um, so I, uh, I, I like that. Um, or I feel good about that. Um, and then let's see. Um, for the one and the two, I'm gonna go ahead and I'm actually gonna go ahead and say definitely one of those spots is gonna be our first draft pick. So either, um, God willing, Markel Fultz, probably not, um, or Lonzo Ball, or Malik Monk, or Dennis Smith. I think one of those guys will be starting at one of the guard spots. And then for two, I would love it if we were able to sign Contavious Caldwell-Pope. Um, I think that's unlikely. So he has he's a restricted free agent for the Pistons. I think we would want him. I think if we signed him, basically Pistons have the opportunity to match, and I think they probably would. Um, but that would be that would be really nice, um, but probably unlikely to happen. Probably the safe bet is actually to say Nick Stauskas at the two. Not that that's exciting to me, but so yeah, I think sauce. I think that's our that's our the amount of like, time it took you to answer that's not doesn't really bode well but i guess that's where you are right um <laughs> so you think you think okafer is gone and you think nerlands is is part of the team or you think he's going to go too i think nerlands is i think we have we have so much money to spend so nerlands also a restricted free agent um i think and he's been playing really well and there's word that the organization really values what he does on defense um Given that we have a lot of money, um, he's a restricted free agent, and I don't think we're gonna be able to get a lot of like quality free agents anyway. I think we, unless someone gives him like the max or close to it, I think we would match, and I hope that we would match, and so that he would come back, and so he would be our backup center. Um, Dario would you be think our. He'll play off the bench. Wow. Yeah, I think as long I don't know. I think guys are, you know, he gets along like. They've been, he's been saying positive things about the team. Um, he gets along well with Embiid. I think there's more guys that know that, you know, you can play 20, 25 minutes off the bench and you can be a really quality NBA player. Like, there is a model. There's obviously, like, Manu and uh, all this stuff. I think it's about the minutes. So I think if the team is like, look, man, you're going to get 25 minutes a game, um, then he could live with that, especially if he's getting paid. You know, I think, I think he was really upset at the beginning of the year because there was a possibility that he might not play that much this year. Um, and then who knows how much money he would make, you know, next year coming off a year where he hardly played. Um, right. I guess that makes sense. So, so yeah, but I feel, I feel, I feel good. We've got, we've got a lot of good backups in Nerlens, Dario, TJ, We've got three solid backups right there. I think your biggest problem is that you're not losing enough because right now you are, it looks like fifth in the, in the standings from the bottom. We are. Um, yeah. And I think, I think you're right, Andrew. That's a legit concern. Um, actually the, the standings right now are crazy. I have tankathon open. There are, um, <laughs> shameful. There are, <laughs> There's like 10 teams or maybe even more. There's 11 teams that have between 21 and 25 wins. 
And that's it goes from the fourth worst team to the fifteenth worst team. Um, the fifteenth worst team, which is right now in the playoffs, the Denver Nuggets. Um, and so, um, anyhow, yeah, it is. It is in, like it is for our long term future. Losing games right now would definitely be best to increase our chance of getting uh, top pick, particularly Marco Fultz or Lonzo Ball. They seem to be separating themselves as the top guys in this draft. Um, and it looks like, so Boston's going to get the first pick, right? I mean, if the lottery odds play out, because they have Brooklyn's. Well, they're definitely going to have the highest percentage chance of the first pick, but that's, the, only, yeah, that's, what I mean. that's only 25%. So Yeah, so they're unlikely to get the first one, Andrew. <laughs> All right. Most likely wow. and unlikely. Yes. Wow, math is fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, and actually the other big thing is we get the Lakers pick if it's out of the top three. Right now they are in third, right um behind Phoenix. Phoenix is in, has the second worst record. And if that holds out, that gives us a significantly better shot of getting that pick. Um it's right now they have a Was 40... that part of the Bynum trade? Uh no, that was the Michael Carter Williams trade. Oh, interesting. So, yeah, which again, which was something that our former GM Sam Hinkie was criticized for um, by a lot of people, and uh, now it looks very clear that, that was by far the best thing in that trade. Um, we trade away Michael Carter Williams, who's a point guard who had played okay, but um, he can't shoot, and that's important, and. Brandon Knight was the other player in that trade, and he has regressed significantly and is not really having an impact in Phoenix. So, um, so you're right. We gotta we gotta root for some teams to lose. Sometimes their own teams. That's part of life. So, <laughs> if you want to win, you gotta lose. Yeah, or just keep on losing. It's a life. It's just a process of losing over and over and over again. <laughs> that adds up to me. Uh, <laughs> on a brighter note, I do think that there's there's between six and nine really good guys in this draft, according to the scouts right now. And so, and and it's it's either like Fultz in the top tier, Fultz and Ball. Um, so if the Sixers fall in like the seven area, the six area, I still am going to feel pretty good about the player um, that they get. So, if there's a if there's a year where being outside the top three is is okay, this is one of those years. So, if they get in the tenth or the eleventh spot, that would that would be bad. But yeah. now I don't I don't really follow college hoops. It, what's the sort of I know it's supposed to be a deep draft. Is it like you have everyone's a good rotation player, or there's a bunch of form, future superstars? Is it like you know what's sort of the how where do, where do all these players land on the uh John Lewis the third to LeBron James uh John Lucas the third LeBron James continuum sorry <laughs> oh that might have been that's in that's in the pantheon of half court mid range <laughs> moments right there <laughs> um, whoops sorry I had to interrupt I got distracted <laughs> I mean John Lucas is probably better at basketball <laughs> so the scale it's a bigger scale yeah yeah um, yeah, that's, that's less, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's a good question I think I think this 
this draft is very good more because it has a bunch of guys that have a very high probability of being like solid NBA rotation players, like between solid NBA rotation players and like very good NBA players. Um, I think Fultz and Ball right now are are thought of as like the potential superstar types, but Ball also, there's like, I think so much variance in his outcomes because um, he's such a unique player. And I think with Fultz, he, it's also hard to assess him because he plays on such a terrible team um, that, I don't know, the way he's playing right now probably doesn't have very much to do with how he's going to be playing in the NBA um, besides his like raw ability to get to the basket and shoot and all of that. Um, so yeah, it seems like a bunch of guys that are like really solid guards and forwards that you can bank on being like good NBA players. Um, but maybe not, uh, a top, you know, maybe not as much potential to be like a top 10, top 15, top 20 NBA player. I think, uh, we probably consider Zach Lowe to be our main competitor in this podcast market. I do. At least. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, and, you know, I guess a couple of people listening apparently knows what he's talking about. Um, anyhow, I last podcast, um, which we recorded before Zach Lowe released his most recent podcast, I decided, uh, or I, we talked about Kawhi Leonard, and I was I talked about you know one how much I appreciate him and two possibly he's underrated. Zach Lowe then decides on his podcast to say you know come out strong and say. Kawhi Leonard is great. He is an MVP candidate. He's not in the conversation. So I think, I don't know. I think I scooped Zach Lowe is what I'm trying to say. You would have scooped him if it weren't for that darn audio slave <laughs> getting me sick and not being able to post it in time. Now, do you think that what's, what's more exciting to you, that he listens to the half-court mid-range or your anger over him stealing your scoop? Um. I would be more excited if he listened to this. I was actually, in terms of bumping into people for All-Star Weekend, I would be most excited to bump into Joel Embiid, even though I don't know that I'd be able to like even say a word. Um, but I would have been second most excited to bump into Zach Lowe. So uh, nice. I would say if he listened to this, then that would get me pretty excited. Yeah. Yeah. And there, there's nothing surprising about that statement. Now, that, that would have been my guesses as well for who you'd be the most excited about seeing. All right, yeah. uh, let's do. Let's end with that. Maybe like have, have the most. Ex- who would you be most excited to bump into if you were at this All Star Weekend, Andrew? That's a really yeah. That's a really good question. Besides um, me and Court. <laughs> yeah, you guys. Well, of course, I would. It wouldn't be bumping in so much as like, hey, can I sleep on your couch? Uh, <laughs> I'm in New Orleans and I don't know anyone else here. <laughs> uh, secondly, I don't know, man. I think I'd rather, I, it's, it's, I guess it's a little more, uh, I guess, nebulous, but I'd rather, I'd run it, I'd like to run into any NBA players hanging out with each other. I'm just really enamored by this, the idea of like all these guys being friends. Um, mm. like I like watching the dunk and three point contest just because I like seeing them on the sidelines all hanging out together to imagine that they're all best friends. I'm sure they're not, but like, even if I got to see like, you know, uh, Jimmy Butler and Anthony Davis and Robin Lopez having a beer together would be like, awesome. So, so <laughs> rad, much more than seeing any of them individually. Yeah. Um, even in succession. I think I like the idea that everyone's best friends call would me you, a romantic. Would you have any fear that like you would see something that would, um, that would, 
challenge like the popular presentation of them that would like kind of disillusion like what if you saw kevin durant and, and russell westbrook at the bouldering gym just having like a great time and you're like oh, oh this is all be, fake that they be hate way each better. other <laughs> what'd you say that'll be good because that'll be really nice to see just because the uh i like the idea that the feuds would be fake i think the things it would be disappointing to see if if like um I would love to see. You know, it. if like you, if you see that everyone is boring, if it's like a bunch of, they're all like, if you, I guess we'll be, we'll be sad if you talk to them and realize, probably what's actually true that like these guys only talk about basketball and live and breathe basketball and don't really do a lot else. It mm. might not overall be that interesting or smart. Then mm-hmm. I guess that will be a bummer. So as long as I can like avoid knowing too much about, uh, about them, that might be good. That so actually, your ideal outcome is to not bump into anyone and let that mystery remain. Mm. yeah i think so yeah i mean i've i've essentially never met a famous person and it's gone fine thus far so i have seen you say i saw robin lopez in the airport (laughs) one time not here uh in san francisco but i didn't bump into him i didn't say hi was he he flying commercial uh no it was it was not in security it was i was waiting i think i was waiting for you right (laughs) speaking of vomiting It was uh, when you vomited out that rental car. <laughs> hey, you know, uh, some people say they've never seen anyone vomit that well on the side of a car. And I'd say, <laughs> to their point, you're right. I have never either. Yeah, Kronk, Kronk and I were just sitting waiting for a pickup at the SFO airport, and uh, and Robin Lopez was there. Anyway, that's not a great story. And so, Court, who would you be most excited to bump into down here at... Uh... I would be most excited to bump into Sam Hankey because I would be confused <laughs> as to why he was here this year, at least. Uh, uh, and I feel like I would just have that over Ray. Like honestly, Hankey, he, I think he probably is here, and I, he probably, he probably legitimately is my number one. I guess I didn't for some reason I didn't think about that. But, man, I had I still that, he's my number. Yeah, you can't steal him. I have him as my number one now. It has totally outplayed you. It'd probably be TJ McConnell now that I think about it. TJ. <laughs> I would love to see how much hustle he uh, applied to <laughs> his activity. For the game, like, hey, it's all-star game. Come on down. Like, you know, we got a bunch of good players. It's going to be really good. Here's, here's a flyer. You know, I, think- <laughs> I have so many mixed feelings about TJ that I don't even, I wouldn't want to see him to have to address those feelings, you know? I think that's fair. Yeah. All right. Well, Andrew, it has been a pleasure having you call into this podcast. Uh, Truly a pleasure. Pleasure having you as a guest, as always, whether it's in person or over the magic of internet telephones. Uh, we love hearing from you. And uh, and as always, gentlemen, feel free to I think they're called free to call anytime to talk hoops. For sure. Or, or um, anything. I'm 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 well versed outside of the hoop arena as right. well. Well, yeah, and next weekend we might have some good, uh, some good trades to talk about. Um, and if you get your shit together and oh. watch some movies, we can talk Oscars. But we'll see. Yeah, we might be on a slight uh, holiday delay for next weekend. Uh, or yeah, Ray's skipping town. But yeah, I forgot about that. Um, but maybe you know, maybe a little Ash Wednesday uh, recap mm. of the the carnival season of all these <laughs> crazy trades and whatnot. Talk about depressing. Talk about depressing. Uh, <laughs> we are but dust and ash. Uh, <laughs> um, um, a beautiful, a beautiful sign off. Yeah, sounds good. Uh, thanks for having. Thanks for being on our podcast, Andrew. Uh, this has been the seventeenth episode of Half Court of Midrange. Uh, thanks.
Thanks for having us. Hope all you listeners have a lovely 